So here we are, week four, in our final week of this series, The Genius of Gratitude. And uh, man, I, I hope this has been meaningful for you. It certainly has been for me. I, I started off this series admitting that um, I am an ingrate, right? I'm, I told you that. I'm not a grateful person naturally. Um, but I'm realizing more and more this is something that I need in my life, that it is the key to so many other great things in my life. And so I've been taking the series just personally very seriously. And so this week, being that I was getting ready for the last week of the series, I, I decided to do a little bit of a heart check and to say, all right, is, is this working? Am I, am I actually becoming more grateful? Today, I'd like just to encourage you to do the same right now. Uh, if you've been with us over the series, you've heard some of these messages. If, if uh, today's your first time here, this may be a little harder. Um, but ask yourself the question, am I becoming more grateful? Uh, we talked about doing a few things that would help you become more grateful. We said you could journal three to five things every day that you're thankful for. We talked about um, speaking words of gratitude to someone else in your life for, for what they do that you appreciate, whether it's a, a coworker, or a friend or a spouse or a family member. And we talked about looking into the mirror and appreciating yourself for doing something. It's a little awkward, right? Um, but we said that would be powerful if you want to cultivate a spirit of gratitude. See, I hope that you've been doing some of those things, and I hope you can answer the question, yes, uh, I'm not there yet, but yes, I am becoming more grateful, because this is so powerful. See, see, what we've been talking about in this series is that gratitude is not just a virtue. It's not just some goody-goody thing that we should all do or be morally, but gratitude is, is genius. It is the key to so many other important things in life. The first week of the series, I talked about some of these, and these are verified by research, Scientific research that grateful people are happier, they report fewer health complaints, they exercise more, they demonstrate more pro-social motivation, they're, you know, they're more, more thoughtful and kind and, uh, and helpful to people who are in need, they sleep better, they're less depressed, they have better marriages. I mean, I mean, do you see? Gratitude is the key to so many things in your life that you want, things in life that we all seek after, and, and they're also things that God wants for us. And today we're going to talk about how gratitude is the key to one other thing, that gratitude is the key to success. That gratitude is a key component in making you successful. Before we go any further though, let me pray for us again. Father, I, I do ask that you would just, just help us to uh, take hold of these words, that you'd speak words of truth to us, but God, that, that you'd help us grab onto them, that you would cause them to, to bear fruit in our lives, that they would mean something, that they would change us. And Father, I pray that um, we might become more grateful people here in this place, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it's, it's a thing that will change our lives in so many ways. So God, just give us ears to hear and hearts to receive, and may my mouth speak your truth. I pray this in Jesus. Amen. So gratitude is the key to not only a bunch of awesome things, but it's also the key to success. That's what we're going to talk about here today. And I could give you a bunch of research about that, but I don't think I need to. It's just obvious, isn't it, that if you're more grateful, you will be more successful. If it's not obvious, I want to show you something. I want to show you words that came from Inc. Magazine. I don't know if you ever read it. I do sometimes. Um, Inc. Magazine. Words just blew me away because these are not from some preacher. Uh, these are from a business writer. A guy who writes about, um, you know, having a, a successful sales life. And, and yet he noticed something. And, and this quote is just so powerful, it's kind of long, but I, I think you'll appreciate it. He says, I'm utterly convinced that the key to lifelong success is the regular exercise of a single emotional muscle 
What is it? Gratitude. I love that. A single emotional muscle, gratitude. He goes on. He says, people who approach life with a sense of gratitude, they're constantly aware of what's wonderful in their life. Because they enjoy the fruits of their successes, they seek out more success. And when things don't go as planned, people who are grateful can put failure into perspective. We talked about that in week one. Now get this, by contrast, he says, people who lack gratitude are never truly happy. If they succeed at a task, they don't enjoy it. They're not grateful. They don't enjoy it. For them, a string of successes is like trying to fill a bucket with a huge leak in the bottom. And failure invariably makes them bitter, angry, and discouraged. Now, now I, I know these words hit too close to home for some of us. Bitter, angry, and discouraged. That for some of us, that's how we have been living life. And, and I love that powerful visual that he gives of, of you're trying to fill a bucket that's got a huge leak in the bottom. And the reason it's leaky, the reason you can never feel full or satisfied is because you haven't yet experienced the genius of gratitude. Again, powerful words that some guy observed in just, you know, looking at people who are successful in business. Uh, Steve Hauer, for the last two weeks, our senior pastor, has been talking about his cycle of gratitude. And uh, I thought I'd share that with you again, just things that he's noticed from Scripture and from life. He noticed that grateful people are more mindful of blessings. That they've got perspective. And people who are more mindful of their blessings then focus on the good in life. And people who focus on the good in life are more optimistic. They're, they're more filled with hope. And people who are more optimistic tend to be more courageous. You know, if you believe good things are going to happen, you tend to be more courageous in making them happen. So courageous people attempt more in life, and people who attempt more in life achieve more. And people who achieve more experience more blessings, they experience success. And so you got more blessings, more success, more gratitude, and the cycle just keeps continuing. Now, now what I hope is, what I hope is that for some of you, a light bulb is going on today or at some point in this series as to why success seems to be so elusive for you in your life. Because for some of you, you know, you're looking at other people in your life, coworkers, neighbors, and, uh, and they're experiencing a greater degree of success than you are, and you're puzzled by this thing. And you know it's not because they're smarter than you, because they're not necessarily smarter than you, and they're not harder working than you because you work really hard. And they might not even be more spiritual than you. They're not praying any harder than you are. And yet it could just be that this is the missing element. Certainly gratitude isn't the only component of success. You've got to have intelligence. You've got to have a work ethic. But this could be the thing that's missing for you, the thing that's holding you back. Here's what I can say unequivocally. That gratitude has a tremendous influence over your ability to be successful. Uh, today I want to show you that this is true not only from the, from the observation of, of people, this is also true in the mind of God. And so I'm going to show you a case study, really, of a guy by the name of Joshua. And Joshua lived a long time ago. And for some of you, you know, if this just sounds like a bunch of positive thinking, psychobabble, I, I want to show you this is biblical. And for those of you who maybe aren't as acquainted with Scripture or don't necessarily value Scripture on its own, I, I want to show you that, that Scripture has incredible things to say about regular life, that it applies to life. It's, it's very applicable. Even the really old parts of Scripture, like what we're going to look at today. So we're going to look at Joshua 1 in a minute. But first, let me tell you about Joshua. Uh, Joshua grew up as, as an aide, as an assistant to Moses. I'm sure you've heard of Moses, right? And, uh, and Joshua grew up under Moses, and for years he was his assistant. For, for about 40 years, Moses led the children of Israel around through this wilderness area, 
before they could enter the promised land. And Joshua was there the whole time being Moses' assistant. Well, after 40 years, Joshua had gotten older, and Moses had gotten older too, and it was time to pass the torch. And Joshua gets picked to be Moses' successor, to be the guy who's going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Which sounds like a great honor, right? Except, not only does Joshua have to follow Moses, the greatest leader ever, I mean Moses, the guy who brought plagues onto the, onto the Egyptians, Moses, the guy who parted the Red Sea, Moses, the guy who went up on a mountain and talked to God. Moses, the guy who brought down the Ten Commandments. I mean, Moses is no joke. He's not the the kind of leader you want to have to follow. So not only does Joshua have to follow Moses, this this perfect ideal leader, but Joshua has this impossible job to do. He's got to lead the people into the promised land. And the promised land isn't just sitting there empty. It's not all vacant, move-in ready for them. See, See, the promised land is filled with these great and powerful, mighty people who are scary. They're fierce people. They're immoral people. They literally sacrifice their children. They're they're murderous. They are frightening people. And Joshua has to be the guy then who leads the people into the promised land and takes it, who occupies it by force so that God can begin to plant a people for himself in that place, a people who will live morally whole, good, noble lives. So this is no easy job for Joshua. It's no great honor, really. It's it's a lot of hard work. And yet, as God is commissioning Joshua, he's going to speak these words that we're going to see now in Joshua chapter 1. And you can look in your Bible or your smartphone by going to YouVersion. Or you can look along up here. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. These are words that God is speaking to Joshua as he's commissioning him for this impossible job. He says, uh, says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, the, the promised land. I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert in the south to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful, right? That you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law on your shelf and never read it. No, it's not what it says. Actually, it says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep my word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And then he continues. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, so you see God talking a lot about success there, right? He's telling Joshua, he's like, hey, this is how you're going to be successful. But you also see God talking about courage a lot there. How many times does he say, be strong and courageous? And if you are, I will be with you. Now, now for a lot of us, we, we can sit here today and we can say, you know what? Okay, that's fine. God is talking to Joshua. That's never happened to me. And he's telling him to do this. So, of course, Joshua can be strong and courageous, 
Because God's got his back. God's saying, I'm going to make sure you're successful. And maybe you're thinking, if God would just do that for me in my life, sure, I'd be more courageous and I'd probably be more successful. Well, see, the truth is that God has spoken that to you in more ways than you probably realize. And and we'll talk about those a little later on. That God does have your back and he is working to make you successful. The problem is that that God's not just going to make you successful without you first being courageous. And courage just doesn't happen on its own. So, so, So let's go back to Joshua for a second. See, it's not just that Joshua had this promise from God and so everything was good. He was automatically going to be successful. See, in Joshua's life, he had learned some of these important lessons. He had learned about this cycle of gratitude early on in his life. And that's what made the difference. If Joshua was not willing to be strong and courageous, he wouldn't have been successful. I want to share with you a story, if I could, out of Joshua's earlier life, even earlier than this. Uh, we'd have to go back to Numbers 14, and we're not going to look at it today. I'll just tell you about it. Um, but, but there was this time where Joshua was a much younger man, and the Israelites were uh, thinking about moving into the promised land. But first they wanted to send some scouts or some spies into the land to, just to kind of check it out, to see what kind of land it was, and to really check out the enemies, to see what they were facing when they would go into the land. And so uh, these 12 spies, Joshua and 11 others, they went into the land, and, and they start looking around the land, and, and what they see is they see these great and powerful warriors. They look like giants, and, and they're all terrified. Well, that's not exactly true. Ten of them are terrified. But two of them, Joshua and his friend Caleb, they, they're not terrified. I mean, they see the big people there. They see the mighty warriors there. But what they focus on, what they have perspective to see, is they see this land of incredible blessing. They see this land flowing with milk and honey. They see this land that is abundant. They, they see this land that God has been preparing for them for generations, and they're excited about it. See, see they've got perspective. That's what we talked about in week one. And then because of that perspective, uh, when, when all of the spies go back to the Israelites and they report on what they found, the, the ten of them are saying, oh my gosh, it's going to be a bloodbath. There's no way we can do this. We should just go back to Egypt. This is terrible. But, but not Joshua, not Caleb. They're saying, no, 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 this is a good land, and did you see that place? God has been preparing this land for us. Surely we'll be successful. See, their perspective led to optimism. And then because of their optimism, knowing that God was going to be with them, they had courage. And so when Joshua finally comes to be the leader and lead them into the land, he he can be courageous because he can see how God has been with them in the past, and he knows that God will be with them in the future. Of course he will. And because of courage, he'll be successful. See, do you see it? It starts with perspective, and it goes to optimism. It goes to courage, and then success. See, it's all necessary. It's it's all a part of of this cycle of gratitude. Now, Now, this should be great encouragement, great comfort to you. Especially if you're someone who's facing something that seems impossible right now. An impossible job. You know, an impossible account. An impossible climb out of debt, an impossible relationship, an impossible marriage. To to know that you can be successful. And even if you're not feeling courageous or you're not very optimistic, you can go back to the very beginning and you can begin just to focus on the things that God is doing, those beautiful, noble, excellent, praiseworthy things that God is doing in your life today. and, And that will begin to fuel this whole cycle of gratitude in your life. And in the end of it, you can have success. God wants you to be successful. Now, now here's what I know. Just let me step back for a second. 
that for some of you, you were fine when we were talking about optimism and perspective and even courage. That was all fine with you. But when I started talking about success, you're just thinking, yeah, I'm not sure. Doesn't sound right. God wants me to be successful. I always like to joke that in my family growing up, um, we didn't have a fear of failure. We had a fear of success. It's, it's crazy. I come from this really talented line of people, so gifted. And yet it, it seems like in our family, we just kind of had this idea that, that success would mess us up somehow, that it would destroy us or we wouldn't be able to handle it. And so we avoided it. Almost like that's a noble thing to avoid success. And I think the truth is that a lot of us who are Christians, we feel the same, don't we? For us, we're suspicious of success. You know, you see that, that business prospering or that church or that neighbor and you're kind of like, something must not be right over there. It must be doing something underhanded. There, there must be shortcuts that are being taken. Or, or at least they're, they're selling out. For a lot of us, success is a dirty word. We imagine that it can only lead to pride and ego and greed but, but I'm telling you, just like with Joshua, God wants you to be successful, but not in everything. See, there is an asterisk here. God absolutely wants you to be successful, but just not in everything. And, and, and this is where I think we get so confused, because we've all failed, right? I mean, we've been courageous. We've charged ahead for stuff. We've gone after it, and we have fallen on our faces. And that's just life. Just because you're courageous doesn't mean you'll succeed all the time. And yet for some of us, we've experienced failure, and it really feels to us like God himself has sabotaged us. And you know that, that may well be. And if you want to know why, why you know, why if a God who wants me to be successful, why would he sabotage me? Well, well let me explain it this way. Uh, take a look at these two up here. Um, these are two of, of the cutest and most tenacious toddlers you've ever met. Um, and it shouldn't surprise you that they're, they're tenacious in a little while because these are actually church workers' kids. Um, so over there on the left, that's Asher Hunsinger. So Brent, our creative director who's up here singing today, that's his son Asher. And then over on the right, there's Lydia Audette. So Andy Audette, who does uh, teaching for us from time to time. Um, that's Andy's daughter. Cute kids, aren't they? That lion costume is spot on. She's, she's tenacious. She's ferocious. I mean, I, I, and I'm remembering, my kids are older now, I'm remembering how toddlers can be. Because they'll come into my house and, and like within moments the whole thing is turned upside down. And you're just like, you're so little. How can you be so destructive, right? Um, but, but you remember the will of a toddler. If you, know, if you know toddlers, you know the will of a toddler. And I want you to think about it this way. Um, you know, toddlers, they're in the kitchen and, 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 they're, and they're, they're, you know, just going after stuff. And they make a beeline for the cabinet under the sink where you keep all of the, the poison stuff. And, and, you know, they open up the cabinet and they're looking around and they're going to get away with it. And, and they reach out their hand and they're going to grab something in the back that's probably really bad for kids to have. And right as they're about to get it, you know, victory is right in sight. The adult notices and takes that bottle and takes it out of her hand and sets it up on the counter high where she can't reach it. And you know that look, don't you, in that moment when, when you do that to, to that toddler? Hatred, anger, you know, frustration, you sabotage me, how could you? You know, maybe tears, maybe anger, right? And what they don't understand is that if you would allow them to be successful in what they were doing, it would have killed them. See, this is so true for us in God sometimes. It may be that God has sabotaged you before. I know it's happened to me in my life before because there have been times in my life where I've been headed in a direction and, and I thought it was right, and I thought I was heading in a good direction, and I was going full speed ahead, and then, and then God made the wheels fall off, right? 
and it all comes to a halt, and you, and you think, what, what happened? Well, likely what happened was that God was trying to protect you from being successful in something that if it didn't, if it didn't kill you, maybe it would have hardened you or warped you or twisted you in some way that would not have been good for you. See, God wants you to be successful. And this is where this is confusing. But he wants you to be successful in things that matter, not in things that will warp you or harm you or kill you. He wants you to be successful in things that will bless you. So what are these things? Well, today I have a list. It's not exhaustive. Uh, but, but, but these are things that you can count on God wanting you to be successful in. And the first is relationships. I mean, do you know this, that God wants you to be successful in relationships? No question. Because relationships matter more to God than anything else. He created us for a relationship with himself and with each other. That's why he put more than one of us on the planet. Because he wants us to be in relationships. And you can count on the fact that in your relationships in life, God wants you to be successful. He is for you. He's got your back. He's behind you. He's calling you to courage in your relationships so that he can bless you with success. Now, that doesn't mean that every relationship will be successful. I mean, some of you sitting here today, you've been through divorces, you've been through broken relationships, you've got estrangement in your family. And that doesn't mean that every relationship will be successful. But that's not because God isn't invested in its success. God wants your relationships to be successful and healthy and whole. You can believe that. You can count on that. I mean, just this week I was, I was meeting with a guy who's going through a hard, hard thing in his marriage right now. And uh, I, I know all of us who are married will go through hard things in our marriage or are going through them right now. And, and, and it was such an encouragement for me to be able to look at this guy and say, you know what? Your, your relationship may have some problems, yeah. But God, he is invested in the success of your marriage. God wants your relationships to win. Do you know that? And see, it's not just with each other, but, but God wants your relationship with him to be successful. Now, now, there are some of us in this place, and, you know, there are times where, where when it comes to God, we're, we're not sure that he's good. Right? And let's just be honest. There are things that we go through or, or things that we face, and we're just not sure that God is trustworthy or that he has our best interest in mind. For some of us, we look at other people and we look at their relationship with God and it seems so, so deep and strong and we just can't figure out how to get there, right? And sometimes we start to wonder, does God just not want me in the same way that he wants to be in relationship with him or her? Why does it seem so easy for them and yet so hard for me? See, in those moments I can tell you without a doubt that God wants your relationship with him to be successful. He does. And you can know that because he sent Jesus into the world. And he sent Jesus into the world to, to walk among us and to talk and to love and to serve and to laugh and to heal. He sent Jesus ultimately to die and to rise. Why? So that nothing would get in the way of your relationship with God. So that all the guilt, right, all, all the shame, all of the, all of the dread, all of the fear, all of the lack of trust, all that would be taken away so that we could have access to God free and clear. Do, do you get it? God wants you to be successful in your relationship with him and with each other. He is for you. Be of courage. 
But it's not just relationships, it's other things in life. It's things like work. I mean, work existed before the fall. You were created for work. And God wants you to be successful in work. Now, this doesn't mean you'll be the top of your company or the best in your industry. But God wants to make you effective. He wants to give you joy at what you do. It's not just work. It's also goals. <laughs> I mean, God wants you to plan and dream. And, and as you get to know God, he, he wants to make his desires your desires. And he wants you to dream big kingdom things. And he wants to help you achieve those things. God is absolutely dedicated to your success of good, godly, kingdom-minded goals. Or what about this? Faith sharing. I mean, God wants you to be successful when you share your faith, right? Do you know that? See, I don't think we know that. I think so often, you know, when Chris was up here a minute ago and he's like, hey, Silhouettes is coming. It's awesome. And it is, by the way. It's incredible. It's last year. It will be a blessing to anyone you know. We've had people who've come to see Silhouettes who are, who are uh, just, you have no belief, or they're burnt by the church. They all find it beautiful and powerful. I guarantee anyone in your life will find it powerful. Um, and so Chris is here saying, hey, you know, invite a friend to Silhouettes. And most of us kind of, we get this, this fear, this panic, and we're like, oh gosh, well, you know, th- that could be awkward, or what if they say no, or what if they come and they don't like it? Do you realize that God wants your faith sharing, those invitations that you extend, those words of hope that you speak, he wants those, those, those encounters to be successful. So much so that he's working before you even have that conversation. He's, he's working on that person's heart. He's working while you speak by his spirit in ways that you can't even understand. Do you realize that? That God wants, when you share your faith, he, he's, he is more invested in it than you are. He gave his son's life for that person so they could know his abundance. You don't have to be afraid. God wants to make you successful. Not just faith sharing, but also in service. Service is is powerful, the way we serve others. I was reminded of this this week. That true value in life doesn't come by what we accumulate, but by what we give away. Right? We We don't celebrate accumulation at a funeral. We don't talk about the rich jerk who held on to everything and never shared with anyone, right? If that's the reality, we just kind of tuck that under and we say nice things that we can say. I mean, who are the people who are celebrated most in death? They're the people who are most about serving others. God is, God is with you as you discover your gifts and step out and try to serve others. He, he wants to bless you through that, and he wants to make your life meaningful. Gosh, there are so many other ways. Last night as I was driving home, I was like, I can't believe I didn't put up here on the screen that in your struggle against sin, God wants you to be successful. Do you know that? In your struggle against sin, that doesn't mean you're going to be victorious over every sin struggle in your life. That's not going to happen until Jesus comes back, probably. But God doesn't want you to struggle alone, and he doesn't want you to give up the struggle. That as we struggle against sin and things that will erode the life that Jesus has died to win for us, as we struggle, God is there and he's cheering us on, giving us the strength we need to fight another day. He wants you to be successful. Do you know that? Now now notice there's some things that I didn't put up here on the screen. I didn't talk about money, or accumulation. I didn't talk about fame. And that's not that God doesn't want you to be successful in those things. It's just that those things don't matter as much as we think. I mean, money, it doesn't make you happy all in and of itself. But let's be honest, you can't be happy without a little bit of money, right? I mean, if you've got no money and you're you're living out on the streets today, you're probably going to have a very hard time being happy. And so there is this baseline that God wants to give us 
But again, this is where this all gets confusing. That, that the stuff that we dream about, the kind of success we dream about most, is able to satisfy us least. See, God knows this about us. We just don't know this about ourselves. So when we're dreaming about success, you know, we're dreaming about the corner office and the big title. We're dreaming about the, the big house with the nice cars and the dream vacations and the closet full of clothes and, and the respect of people. You know, that, that's what we're dreaming about. And we think that's going to fulfill us. That's going to make us so happy and full. And yet God knows that's not true. I mean, if it were true, then all of these Grammy-winning artists and Emmy-winning artists, they, they would be happy and not drug-addicted and alone and depressed, Right? 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 I mean, this is so important that the kind of successes we're dreaming about most in life, they're they're able to satisfy us least. And God wants to, to protect us from some of those things. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to be successful. Oh my goodness, he wants you to be successful in all the things that really matter. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to be glad in your successes. It may feel a little boastful for us, you know, if you're out there after the service writing on the windows and you see someone writing, you know, thank you God for the big, fat, fancy business deal. I know what you're thinking about that person, right? You're thinking, jerk, right? Um, and, and, and maybe there's an appropriate way to share those things, but, but, but my, my goodness, be glad about the successes that God puts in your life, especially those successes that matter most. Because here's, what's, here's what happens. Not only is, is gratitude genius because it makes us successful, but success is genius because it makes us grateful. And, and if you take those, those successes that God puts into your life and you give thanks for every one of them, if, if you let them fill your heart with joy, if you, if, you, if you let them drive you to love God for how good he is to you, then this whole awesome cycle just begins over and over again And your success takes you back to perspective and you notice the good things and you're more optimistic. And when you're more optimistic and you're filled with hope, not only are you a great witness to everyone around you, but you're more courageous. And when you're courageous, you'll be more successful. And this whole incredible cycle begins over and over again. See, that's what God wants for you. He does not want you to live life bitter and frustrated and angry and depressed with a bucket that can never stay full. He wants you to be filled with abundance of things that matter, he wants you to overflow. So let me pray right now and ask that God would give that to all of us. Father, I pray uh, that you take these words. And God, who am I to think that, that words spoken with passion can really change our lives? They, they can't apart from you. So God, I pray that you would take the truth that we have spoken about over the last four weeks. And God, that you, you'd begin to do something a new work in our hearts, that that you fill us with perspective and optimism and courage and success so that we can live life more fully, more abundantly, but God, so that we can love you more deeply, so that we can recognize the amazing God that you are. God, I I pray that you just take these words and you wouldn't let us leave them here. But God, I, I pray you'd bring these truths to mind I pray you'd give us the discipline to live these things out. And God, I pray that you'd make us a more grateful people. And God, um, I also just want to pray this weekend again for our city. As we're living in a, uh, a time right now with, uh, with just a lot of frustration and fear 
and uh, tension and distrust. Father, I pray that you would come against evil that's at work and those who would love to stir up dissension and violence. Lord, I pray that you would, you would, you would come against their plans, that you break the teeth of the wicked. But Lord, I, I pray that you would also be involved in us, your church, here in this place and churches everywhere, that, that we would live differently, that even in these days of uncertainty where a lot of people are afraid and, and kind of nervous, God, that we would evidence perspective and optimism and courage and that you would give us success, God, and that we would, we would shine as your church in these dark days. God, that's my prayer for us and for every church, for every Christian, that you'd help us know the genius of gratitude personally and that you'd help us to live it so publicly that people want to get to know you through us. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Our God never fails. Do you know that? You can count on him. He is for you. He is on your side. He wants to make you successful in things that matter. He never, ever fails. I love this song. Sing it out with all your heart. Thank you.